Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hey, that's me. Welcome. How are you guys doing? What's the weather like over in your part of the world? Right now, it is raining cats and dogs. And Arizona, we don't get a whole lot of rain. In fact, this past year, we only had one instance of rain. We also got snow this week. (laughs) It usually snows in northern Arizona, near the Grand Canyon and Flagstaff. And and we usually have snow on the mountains around us. And it's more like a dusting, or it's more like hail or sleet. Anyhow, I tell you what, we got a pair of peached face lovebirds. If you don't know what a peach face lovebird is, Google that. They just started showing up here. I went out to fill up the bird bath and I heard this loud chirping, one that I wasn't familiar with. And I look up in the tree and there was a peach face lovebird just singing his butt off. <laughs> And he was so pretty, and I talked to him. He was just perched up on the tree, and I um, went along my my duties in the yard, filling up the bird seed in the water in the bird bath, and enjoyed his song for me. And so when I figured figured out there were two of them, well, now I'm going to have to name them. (laughs) So I named them Rainbow and Sherbert. Because that's what they remind me of. So, that's the exciting news of Birdville at the Winklers. We have an exciting podcast for you today. Uh, My guest today is Wanda Burnside. She She is an author and a poet. And we talk a lot about mending the soul and the different tools that we use for healing. And one of those is definitely writing, journaling, writing poems. I write songs. It's very therapeutic. And I've known her for many years. Um, She's been a huge support of my ministry. And we know a few of the same people. So I'm really excited to have her today. So we're going to read her bio here. Her bio is huge. She's very accomplished, but I'm going to just read her shortened version that she sent me. I'll put her full version in the show notes for you. (laughs) Wanda J. Burnside is an award-winning poet, author, and writer. Since 1970, she has received numerous awards in writing. Her first noted writing award was presented to her in 1970 while a student at the University of Detroit. In 1999, she received two awards from the American Christian Writers Organization. They awarded her with the Christian Writer of the Year Award. She is the founder and president 
of Right Division Ministries and Media Productions, Matchless Love Ministries, The Lamp Newsletter International, Precious Princess and Founder of several other ministries. Wanda has written and published 21 books. She is a contributing writer in more than 80 books, written and performed 22 plays for children, nearly 1,000 poems, and other literature for the glory of God. She is involved in numerous outreach ministries and community services for those with special needs. Wanda has been married to her husband, Simi Lee Burnside, Jr., since 1972. They are committed to working with those who have various challenges and difficulties to show them the love of Jesus Christ. Well, guys, the internet has been squirrely all day. And it was still going on while I did the recording of Wanda's bio. So I don't trust it. So I am doing this podcast from my phone. So please excuse the audio quality this time. Technology, isn't it grand? We are still happy to have Wanda with us today. So please welcome Wanda Burnside to the show. Praise the Lord. Thank Thank you so much, Wanda, for taking the time to come and be on my podcast today. Well, I am so grateful to have this opportunity. I don't take it for granted. It is such an honor to be with you. Thank you so much for having me to be your guest. It's such a uh, pleasure to be with you because I have enjoyed you so many times that you have come to our ministry, uh, Restore, Restore, you're such a blessing, and I know that my life has been changed by the many things that he has done for you, the Lord has done. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been on your show twice, and then I was on Beverly's show once, and yes. uh, you had me as a, a guest writer on your newsletter. And Absolutely I so, right. I am so appreciative for you, too, because you've always been a great supporter of my ministry and have been a great friend with uh, some advice here and there. And, yeah, we met through Naima. Um, Dr. Bush, like she um, recommended that I should uh, have you to be uh, featured in my newsletter. And she gave me all the information. And at that time, we did contact uh, you, and you were so kind to be a part of the LAMP newsletter. And uh, your article touched many lives, and you opened up about uh, the different um, tests and trials and challenges and various issues that you uh, confronted with the Lord's help and how God led you through those times. And uh, I'm thankful that she... um, told me about you because the life that you changed through your article, it just poured into people. So yes, that's how we got started. You had some several challenges this year. Did you want to share anything about that? Yes. Last year in 2020, um, there were so many things going on in our life. 
but before that, 2019, uh, that year, uh, the deaths were so frequent. But the Lord is here with us, and thank God he is our shepherd, he's our strength, he's our hope, and that's the only way we can make it. So, yes, 2019 was very hard and difficult, and then 2020, um, various things have happened. So, yeah, the Lord tells us, tell us, and this is where many are the trials and tests and troubles of the righteous, but he promised to deliver us out of it all. And so with him being by us, he delivers us, he brings us through, he carries us through. And mostly for me, he's been carrying me along the way. You know, that uh, poem about, Lord, I don't see you in my life. But he said those times uh, when you didn't see me, I was carrying you. And that's what he's been doing. And I praise him so much for him picking me up, carrying me through all of the tests. Well, I don't know what I would do, sister, without the Lord. Um, I'd be no. totally, totally lost. Um, the listeners are pretty familiar with um, the fact that I lost my brother Christmas time. Yes, yes. And uh, my husband's had health issues, and I've had health yes. issues. And, you know, on top of the dumpster fire of 2020. But, you know, we oh. feared... We fared much better than most people, and we don't want to forget to be grateful for the blessings yeah. that the Lord gave us this past yeah. year. Trying to be positive and yeah, and uh, get through it the best we can. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm I'm shut in with somebody I love, and we still yeah. we still we still like each other. We haven't. <laughs> You know, I can't, a lot of people can't say that. Well, you know, they're, they're cooped up with somebody they don't get along with. I'm grateful that I. Oh, that's great. And I love (laughs) the holiday outfit that your husband had on and you with the red and white, the Santa Claus. It's just, uh, that puts a beautiful feeling on me when I see the both of you uh, dressed like that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I sewed I sewed the dress and um and we bought his Santa suit. Um, because if anybody's seen the picture of my husband, he's got a very long white beard and mm-hmm. yeah, he yeah. definitely does the Santa thing. And we went to our company dinners at work and we were you are a hit. You are the hit we of the party. Taking pictures with mm-hmm. him and all this stuff. So yeah, we we definitely missed doing that this year because we were cooped up. But you know, there's maybe next year we'll we'll be able to go out and do things again. So we're talking about me all the time here. Let's uh, let's get to know you for those that are listening. Um, maybe start with um, your upbringing and your background. Maybe a little bit about your family. All right. I'd be more than happy to talk about it. Uh, the Lord blessed me to have a dad that was a, my father always say, I am a sanctified gospel preacher. And mm-hmm. my mother, she was an evangelist. And so I grew up in a godly home, a God-fearing home, a family that uh, loved each other and taught us to do the same. And us is, I had one sister, Regina, Morna, Palm, and then my brother, uh, Elder, 
Roger Minor Palm. My brother was a preacher. He worked with, uh, so Regina, my sister, uh, was the baby. Both of them have passed on. Roger passed last year, October, not last year, October of 2029, 19. And uh, Regina, she passed uh, two years before him. But uh, I grew up in the home where we loved each other, worked together, played together, prayed together, had lots of uh, fun time. Uh, my father, he worked at uh, Calec Motor Car Company in Detroit, and he retired from the job earlier because of the chemical smells that were there was causing him to have some breathing problems. But he uh, retired after putting in, uh, I think he put in about 30 years employment there. He was in skilled trade. Um, so growing up, uh, we went to Sunday school because my father was the Sunday school superintendent. Uh, I attended Greater Miller Memorial Church of God in Christ. Uh, my mother worked with the home and um, foreign missions. She worked as a Sunday school uh, teacher as well. Uh, my dad was Sunday school superintendent and all of the uh, family, we were actively involved with missions, um, jail ministry, outreach ministries, homeless ministry, street ministry. Uh, we participated in all of the activities that uh, the church offered. Uh, my father and mother were leaders in the church, so we were followers, and uh, we were trained to uh, follow after the ways of the Lord. Uh, Regina, she did not get married, but she was in the field of um, hospitality, cooking, and restaurants, and uh, special chef. She was a very good chef. Uh, she attended um, Henry Ford College, and uh, that was her pleasure to serve people, do great things for uh, people. Um, but I was not born in Detroit. I was born in Highland Park, Michigan. At that time, that was a suburbs outside of Detroit. So uh, my mom and dad, uh, when they got married, uh, my dad and my mother moved in with uh, my father's parents until their home was available. So strangely, my parents uh, did the type of things that we just enjoyed doing fishing. Uh, we enjoyed going on trips. We had a, a time of uh, vacation. We loved to go sightseeing. And so uh, my father, uh, he was a barber outside of working as a skilled trade at the uh, Calic Motor. My mom, she was one of the uh, Detroit African-American models, and so mm -hmm. she modeled uh, mink coats, and uh, she was part of modeling hats. So her life, she was trained to also to be a secretary. She got married young, and uh, that's part of my early history. Uh, our family moved in in 1952. That's when my parents moved in there. We stayed in Holland Park for two years, and then my parents moved to the home 
that they kept all of their life. And so uh, our family was closely related to uh, all of the other families, the aunts, the cousins. Uh, so they were a part of our life as well. So we went to school, went to church, and uh, loved each other. You know, ups and downs, people had that, mm-hmm. but uh, we put that in front of us and served the Lord with gladness in our church uh, that we attend. Yeah, that was the early part of our life. And uh, my parents was actively involved with going down to the Wayne County Jail in mm-hmm. Detroit. And my uh, pastor was uh, Bishop U.E. Miller at that time, and he asked my father uh, in 1953, uh, and I think my dad at that time must have been around 26 or 27. He had the three of us in the year that my sister was born, Regina, in 1953. The pastor asked my dad if he would have the youth of the church to go down to Wayne County Jail and do a ministry. And so that meant they also assigned my father to be the first um, youth pastor. And my father had a large gathering uh, back there in 1953 of young people. And so my dad agreed to start the uh, young people's church and then turn around and have the jail ministry. So the uh, young people that were I think the rule is you have to be 16 on up to go to Wayne County Jail and visit. So my father Mm. uh, loaded up the car and took the young people 16 years old and up, and they went to Wayne County Jail to visit and minister. And the name of that ministry was Church on the Rocks. And Mm. uh, my father, yeah, and my father would have, Uh, At that time, they permitted uh, close to 18 to 20 young people to participate. When I turned 16, instead of having a Sweet 16 party, my mother told me, she said, Oh, Wanda, your birthday's coming, and you get a chance to go down to the Wayne County Jail with your dad and I. And I really didn't like that. I was really upset. And I told (laughs) my mother, I I said, I'm 16. I want to have a 16 party. I want to have sweet 16. So my mother said, well, I want you to learn how there's a group of people that have been uh, denied to live freely out in the community because of their decisions Mm -hmm. to not follow the law and not to obey those things that they should have done that Mm -hmm. broke the law. And I was very unhappy I told my mother, well, I don't want to live here if i got to go down there. So my mom said, you're going to go and see. So when my birthday came in March and the days were counting, my birthday is on the 9th. So when it got to March the 1st, March the 2nd, I was just getting nervous. Then March the 9th, and that time my dad's uh, jail ministry was on um, Thursday once a month. And, oh, my birthday landed, bam, right on a Thursday. So my mother said, good, you're going to (laughs) go. And she said, get your Bible, and you're going to be a part of it. But before that, my mother warned me, you're going to have to be prayerful. 
You're going to have to follow all the things at home. If you're not going to be obedient, that kind of spirit can't go down to the Wayne County Jail. So mom and dad, they led me through a prayer time each day leading up to me going down to the uh, jail. So I went with the young people that was going down to the jail. And uh, when I got up there with my Bible on the floor where my father had to minister, I just broke down and cried because I could see the men that were in prison and not living free. Mm-hmm. And because the life they were living led them to be locked out and locked up. And so when my dad went on the floor and he hollered out, church on the rock, church on the rock. Well, some of those men, they knew what was going to happen, that it was going to be service. And some men were first in there. So when my dad hollered out church on the uh, rock, they came up to the um, prison bar, and their hands were extended. And some of them started yelling, preacher, preacher, pray for me. Uh, preacher, preacher, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me, forgive me. And my father said to them, you have to have a heart that's broken. You have to have a spirit that needs the Lord. And my father said, for all of you that are crying out help, you're not crying to me. You're crying to the Lord. And I just cried while I saw my father uh, bring those brokenhearted men. And they needed the Lord. And a lot of them said, I'm sorry for what I've done. I, I don't want this to be my life. And my father, I saw my dad get on his knees in that dirty uh, jail and uh, pray. And then there were women and men that came with my dad, and they sung songs and everything. Mm-hmm. But I that's part of my life that I had. So my dad was faithful, and my mother, uh, until death, uh, they never stopped going. They only missed one time when Detroit had a riot in the 60s. But oh, they went. Yeah. They just only missed one time of ministry. And uh, my sister Regina was newborn uh, 1953, and like I said, I started going to the jail, and I saw the need, and you could look in the eyes of those uh, people in jail. And mm-hmm. then my dad worked with the uh, Wayne County Jail, and my mom, they went from Wayne County Jail to Jackson Prison. So they worked with both ministries, yep, and so that's where I saw the truth and the reality. So when I came home, it was my 16th birthday. We only had one hour to minister. When I came home, uh, my mother said, you're going to still have your party. Everybody is going to be at the house when we get there. But when I came in the house, I had tears, and uh, I, I just had to hug my dad and hug my mother and said to them, you care about those that don't know Jesus. And my mother and father said, that's true. And mm-hmm. we want you to care about Jesus. Do you want to, this is your 16th birthday. Do you care? And then my mother said, in the Bible, Jesus said, 
I have to be about my father's business. And my mother said, that's the business I want you to be about. And at that age, at 16, I said, yes. But I gave my life to the Lord when I was five. My mother, she led me to the Lord at five. And then at eight, I was filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. My grandfather uh, prayed over me. But at 16, my eyes was open to the world and the condition of the world. And from that time on, I went to jail service with my parents. Roger, when he turned 16, he went. My sister Regina, when she turned 16, so our whole family. But every time we went to the jail service, it was a reality of one world of freedom, another world, somebody locked up. But my mother said just because somebody is behind the natural bars, there are people walking on the street free. And my dad said this too, that they're not behind bars, but they have bars in their life that restrict them and refrain them to live freely in the Lord. So yes, that was my early upbringing. And uh, when uh, we would go minister, we had Bibles for the men and we had uh, essentials that they wanted uh, toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, clothing, and things like that. It had to go through the jail system before we could give it. They distributed in a um, isolate isolation uh, place that you had to bring those clothes. But those are the things that's key to me as I uh, came to minister. So those are the roots. Those are the beginnings, and I thank God for it. Wow, you you come from such a godly family with a wonderful legacy. Um, Thank the Lord. Yes, I uh, loved hearing hearing that story. Um, do you think that maybe because you were part of the prison ministry that you kept your life on the straight and narrow? I mean, I I'm going to assume that you didn't fall into any. <laughs> Gross well, I'm going to tell like you, um, uh, I stayed uh, straight and narrow, but the devil comes to war after us, to tempt us. I did not get into any uh, trouble where I lived a life where I had to be punished for anything. But the devil comes to tempt all of us, to mm -hmm. try all of us, to want us to fall, want us to fail, want us to... Uh, not going down the straight and narrow. And so there were many temptations. And uh, I went through that valley. Yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I had that experience of going through. But I thank the Lord. He kept me uh, in his hands. And I did not uh, stray off the path. And, you know, like I said, temptation all around. I went to uh, college. I graduated from high school. And from high school, I went to the University of Detroit, and uh, there was a different world, just like mm -hmm. the the world of the uh, prison. Well, college life uh, tends to lead us into various di um, directions. Mm -hmm. In the time I went to college, um, that was 1968 to 1972. So at that time, it was great. Temptation all around, um, 
alcohol, drugs, LSD was uh, prevalent, um, mm-hmm. the freedom movement, um, the uh, sit-ins, march-ins. What we have now, uh, I experienced it in those days, uh, protesting and all of that. I was very uh, verbal about how mm-hmm. I felt about a lot of things. And uh, mm-hmm. because I write a lot, I use my pen to talk. And so I got in a lot of trouble with writing uh, because I would write things and it was on campus opportunity to speak how you felt. So I wasn't um, rebellious, but I was a rebel. So I was very much with uh, the outspokenness of that time. Um, I didn't march with protest signs or anything, but I would uh, write my feelings in magazines, newsletters, and then I was called on a lot. At one time, I uh, wrote a poem that really stirred up a lot of people, Uh, black Mm. and white, all race, and I wrote the poem to tell the truth about how I felt about the um, our world, our government, mm-hmm. and um, just everything. I poured it out. And then when I did that, um, other colleges uh, within Michigan, they decided to come to a rally that I had. So at the rally, uh, surprise, surprise, there uh were uh, FBI and the police present because they didn't know if I was going to cause a citywide outburst. But the Lord protected me. I worked at Mm -hmm. the library, and uh, the director, she told me, Wanda, if you get on that stage and say anything, um, you're going to lose your scholarship because I was on a scholarship. The Lord blessed me. I had eight uh, offers for a scholarship, so I got a chance to pick when I was in high school. And these were full scholarships, full. Mm. And so uh, my boss, she told me, Wanda, that platform is out there for you. And everybody's waiting to hear from you. She said, but look over at that building to your left. And I looked and I could see police officers with rifles. Then she said, look way over there past the trees. And I looked, and I could see attack dogs up on top of the building. So she said, you can't stay here. She said, I'm going to take you and drive you home, and I don't want you to come back on campus. And she said, the word is out that whatever they need to do, to stop you is supposed to be done. And so I looked at her in shock, and she shook her head, yes. So anyway, she was so kind to help me to escape that. And uh, I was in her car, scrouched down. Uh, She threw a coat on top of me, and we had to go through security to get off campus. And uh, they talked to her at security, not knowing that I was in her car. I'm a black lady. She's a white lady driving the car. And uh, when we left down the street, 
uh, they had police officers lined on the uh, street of Livernois in Detroit because uh, they were looking for me because I was the speaker. And so she drove me home and uh, she told me, don't come back. I'll get your homework. Uh, she said, don't come back to things cool off. And I asked her, what are you going to do? She said, don't worry about it. She said, but if they find out what you wrote that paper, uh, you will lose your scholarship and you'll never be able to go back to college. So at that time in the 60s, when it was the movement for uh, race, movement for uh, freedom, uh, the flower child movement and all like that, uh, the marijuana, the LSD, you know, I was around all of that because of college life, but I didn't thank the Lord. I didn't partake in any of that, but mm -hmm. what I wrote did stir up quite an audience, and that's not the only time. It was another time where it was close. I almost uh, was killed because of what Ooh. I wrote. And so wow. then one day, the Lord told me when I was going to be kidnapped because of what I wrote this time. And I was in the room with the people that was going to kidnap me. And uh, oh, the Lord, it was a light hanging off the ceiling on the court with just a light bulb. And I was with all the black leaders in the black movement of that day in mm -hmm. the 60s. And they had come here to take me back with them. And the leaders were all the historical figures of black movement in those days in the 60s. So when I was being interviewed by them about what I was supposed to do, and they told me, uh, sister, you're going to have to change your hair to a fro, and you're not going to live here. You won't come back. You're going to be a part of the movement that we are doing, and we want you to live in California, and you're going to live with in one of the uh, prominent uh, female in the black movement, and you're going to be her secretary. And since you can write so outstanding, we want you to run our newspaper. Well, while they were talking to me and they said, we're going to have to blindfold you so you won't know how we're meeting the other people, and then we're going to the airport. So while they were talking to me, the cord with the light bulb started to swing up from the ceiling, and it started to sway back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb popped in all these prominent outstanding leaders, they thought that was a gunshot because that's the way they live. And when mm -hmm. that light bulb popped, the door was open to let me get in the van. And the Lord said, run, run. And I mm -hmm. ran out. They couldn't see me because the room was dark. And I ran and I went out in the alley and I passed that van and I ran and I ran and I ran. And then I turned to corner and I went down the street. And as I was running, the spirit of the Lord said, run and do not stop. And I ran and I ran and I cried and I cried. And then I saw a bus just appear out of nowhere. The man opened the door. He said, get in the bus room. Mm -hmm. And I got in and he said, sit down. 
And I sat down, and he said, you're doing what you're not to do. And I just froze. Mm-hmm. On that bus, it was only like four other people. But then when I looked back, it was like angels sent there to protect me. And the bus driver turned back to me and said, don't you ever do that again. Mm. And I got, he drove me right on up to where I live. I only had like six blocks to go. And when I got off, he, I looked back at him and the bus disappeared. And I ran on the rest of the way home. I came in and I was staying with my grandmother uh, at that time because I had told my mom and dad, I don't want to live here if I go to college. I want to go away to college. And my mother said, well, the only way you are going to college is you're going to live here. So anyway, I was living with my Mm -hmm. grandmother. I ran in the house. I got the key out, and I just flopped down on the couch and started crying. And then as I was laying there and the reality of what could have happened, the Lord said to me, when are you going to write for me? And I mm-hmm. sat on the couch and the spirit of the Lord came, said, I protected you today. That's right. I caused that light to pop. He said, I was in that room. And the Lord said, I made your way to escape. What are you going to do for me? When are you going to write for me? You have written for the black movement. You have written for teenagers, young people, the cause of this and the cause of that. And the Lord said, I have a blood-stained cause, and I want you to write. Mm -hmm. And he said, if I had not saved you four times, you would not have been here. So as I sat there and listened to him, I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. And then I fell asleep. My grandmother, she used to work at Veterans Hospital uh, in Allen Park, and she wasn't home. So I had that encounter just with the Lord, but the phone rang, and it was my dad. And he said, Wanda, I said, yes. He said, it's all well. I said, all is well. He knew nothing about it, but in the spirit. So you asked, did I stay on the straight and narrow? I came through so many things, but with my uh, writing. And the place where I was supposed to have been taken to, to be in charge of the newspaper, that evening, on the evening news, national news, that place was blown up because... Uh, the government was trying to find uh, the source of people that was a network of communicators and people that did the uh, newsletter. And that was supposed to be my job. And it got blown up. And I think six people, everybody in there died. And so as I sat Mm -hmm. there and looked at that, the Lord said, and you should have been one of them. Mm-hmm. So those are the experience I've had uh, along the way, and that was at an early age. I think I was probably, uh, I was in college, so I might have been 17 or 18 at that young age. Uh, when I told my pastor 
later in life, uh, I said to my pastor, who was Bishop Earl J. Wright, and I was his personal secretary, and then he made me the manager of the whole church building and the, the conference center and everything. He gave me the whole keys to run everything, all the file keys, all the door keys. And I was talking to him, and I said, Bishop Wright, I have something to tell you. And he said, sit down. I said, thank you for the position. Thank you for the opportunity to work with you in ministry. But I have something to tell you. I said, I could have been dead. And he said, I know. And I knew it all the time. Hmm. And I was stunned. He said, I always knew what could have happened. But I prayed for you. Well, I, I haven't even heard this story. So, <laughs> I no, like, I know. But you asked to give me that stuff. Yeah. You know, your question led me to that. You asked me, did I always live the straight and narrow? I lived wow. that straight and narrow. But every temptation to kill mm-hmm. me, by me was there. Every temptation to go the other way in life. Every temptation to follow the wrong path and be with the wrong people. But my dad, my mom, they were the anchor. They never was shocked or punished me or rebuked me. They prayed for me. They prayed knowing God would reveal. And my pastor, he said, I knew it all the while. And I was so shocked because I was going to church teaching Sunday school, and he knew that I was uh, writing so powerfully. And so then my pastor said, well, that's why you're working with me in ministry in the Mm -hmm. same way you dedicated yourself. It's the same way I need you. So when I write now, Mm -hmm. I always am conscious of what I'm writing. I don't take it for granted. Because the Lord said, when are you going to write for me? Well, it doesn't surprise me that you got in trouble for writing. I mean, that's what you are called to do is to write. So. Amen, amen. <laughs> Fascinating story. And, you know, I mean, you live through history right there. That's a amen. story amen. Most, most people can't say that they've lived through. I mean, we hear all, all the time about Mm-hmm. Detroit and mm-hmm. uh, what goes on in Detroit and you uh, yes. lived, lived through it and survived. Yes, Praise I survived because of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I started writing at three years old. My mom, she saw me always picking up pens and pencils. And every time back in those days, it would be a phone call. My mother never had a pencil or a pen because she always kept a notepad by the phone and a pen, and I would go get it and write at three years old. And she always had to ask me, Wanda, where is the pencil? Where is the paper? And I would give it to her. But then my mother recognized that I had a strong attraction to writing. So at three years old, my mother taught me the phonetic sounds, taught me how to recognize my alphabet. And then she taught me uh, how to rhyme words and listen to words, all at three. And uh, 
that's how I got started. I wrote my first poem at three years old. And mm-hmm. after that, every weekend on Saturday and Sunday, I was in somebody's church or conference or revival with a poem that my mother led me to write. Wow. From the age of eight years old, from three to eight, I didn't do public. But eight years old all the way to 12, uh, my mom led me to write. Uh, When I got 12 and after that, 13, 14, 15, 16, I was rebellious. I didn't want to write anymore. And my mother would tell me, you have to write because that's what you're called to do. And uh, when I was eight, I got really mad and I threw my notebook that contained uh, about 30 poems. I threw it in the trash in the kitchen. Yes. And my mother said, where is your point? Because they want you to be on program three Sundays in a row. And I told her I didn't know where it was. And so she didn't say anything, but my mother was throwing out the grease that you fry the chicken in, and she was getting rid of that. And then she poured it in the trash, and then my (laughs) notebook floated up out of the trash. And it was sitting there, and she called me, and she called me to come to the kitchen, and she had it out of the trash, and it was laying on all this newspaper. And she said, that is yours, right? And it's a little red (laughs) notebook. And I said, yes. And she Mm -hmm. said, you're going to sit down, get the paper towel roll, and you're going to wipe every page so you can write those poems. She said, I have money tomorrow on our way coming from school. You buy a notebook and this greasy one. You transfer all of those poems that you wrote for the Lord into this new notebook. So I did. I did. I had to transfer it over. And so my mother uh, told me, Wanda, you're called to do this, and don't let the devil steal your gift. So, Mm -hmm. Amen. And we talk about all the time about how writing is a a form of expression and how poetry can can heal your soul because you can pour out your your struggles and your trials and your prayers and you can put them all into poems. Amen. And so how has poetry and, and writing been um, healing for you? I'm always the first person to partake of the poetry. For me, the Lord will come to me in quiet times or times of uh, where I am isolated, or if I'm not isolated, he will isolate me. So I might be doing something in the house and the Lord will say, Wanda, and I will hear him and he'll say whatever he say in short phrases. And he'll say, God is good, which is common. Then he will twist it and say something else. So when I hear him say something else, he'll say, God is good. And then I will wait and listen. And then he will say, in the tough times, you are mine. And then I'll mm-hmm. listen. Then he'll say, when you don't know what to do, I'm 
standing here with you. Then he'll go back in the tough time. And as he breathed those words into me, it develops into the poetry that he wants me to share with people. So for me, it's personal. I have to be attended to what he say. I can't not be in motion at movement. One time the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to write this, but it will change people's life. But I want you to understand what I'm saying. So me thinking, I understand everything. I've been experiencing everything. I've been writing since three years old. So I was busy washing the dishes. And then he said, then he said, when friends walked away, I came to stay because I was there. He was pulling me to recognize his presence. Mm -hmm. And that's what God does. He pulls me to recognize him. In the midst of everything in the world, he wants me to recognize him. And as he does that, I come into his presence, and then he will reveal the poetry or message he wants me to share. The points that I write when uh, I'm going through tough times, a lot of times I say, I'm going to go write a poem about that. And Mm -hmm. it, it won't even... It won't even fan out. I said, I'm going to write a poem about how disappointed I am, and I'll sit there and nothing will come. Or I'll (laughs) say, oh, I'm going to write a poem about how happy I am, and then nothing comes. But it's that waiting for him. It's like entering into his presence, and you just wait on him. And as he speaks and as he talks, that's when... The anointing comes, that's when the uh, words come, and that's when he wants to transform us. In the process of me writing, he wants to transform my heart, my mind, my disposition. He's going to let me see things from the other side. And when I think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, everything he went through in life, He wants to pull us into his presence so we'll know more of him. It's not about me being mad. It's about me understanding what he wants me to learn in that experience and where he's calling me to. So my journey with writing has been on various plateaus. Sometimes people tell me, oh, I can't believe you wrote that. And it is, nope, I did not. Uh, Sometimes people tell me, uh, when did you write this, or I feel that. So that's the experience. And I would say to all the listeners, if you're uh, a person that writes music, uh, if you're a person that uh, writes plays, Mm -hmm. writes books, that quietness in the Lord is the time where we have that fellowship and closeness. It's just like Jesus before He went to the cross. He went to that quiet spot, and he was in the garden. And he wanted his garden. Yes. And we all get a chance to go there and to hear what the Lord is saying. He wants to hear from his father and to communicate. So in my writing poems, I try to do that, um, to hear him, to follow him, and to Make sure I am in the right position. 
because he will take you to spots. I wrote a poem before, and uh, the revelations that I received before I wrote it uh, is the Lord just took me to the pit of hell. Mm. And scripture that says we wrestle not against the flesh and blood. Well, he showed me that battle, that fight, that it is a place where you fight and you don't wrestle against your brother or your sister who made you mad, who made you glad. It's that uh, force of Satan and all those principalities that come against you. And so the Lord took me to that place and he let me see and feel how that wrestle, the fight is. But as a writer, I try to let the Lord come in and reveal. Even if you write a song for the Lord or write mm -hmm. a play for the Lord, a prayer, Satan wants you to say, I can't do it. Mm. I can't make it. It's not mm -hmm. going to go anywhere. He's trying to make you deny the very gift that Jesus Christ put in your hand. Mm -hmm. And he wants to feel that I cannot overcome. I cannot have victory. All of those lies of Satan cannot take away what God has done, what the blood of Jesus has done, what the stripes that Jesus went through the pierce on the side and how he rose again for us to set us Amen. free. Wow, I feel like I've just been to church. I'm all fired up now to go out Thank there and you. charge hell with a squirt gun and all that. <laughs> praise <laughs> God, praise God. Because he lives, he's alive in us. And so as I write the points and get the revelations or write a paper, I want to feel that. And for you that are listening or watching, you have been chosen the same way. The things that happened to me, the Lord has a plan for all of our lives and will work his plan, his way. So I need to get on the stick and get my book written. Hallelujah. I've got a lot of irons in the fire, but um, he I've will make a way. Line. He will make the way. And so all of the listeners, whatever God has for you to do, I don't care what Satan comes against you with, finances or trying to make you sick or fearful or doubtful or worry or wonder. God will use you. He will help you. If you have a call on your life and you have a purpose on your life, he will use you in any level. So where we are now might not be where we want to be, but it's a process of going where we need when it's not a good time. But God has called us and he needs us for his purpose. Amen. So let's um let's talk about some of your books. Um, I really love your book. Don't mess with me. That uh, that's a that's a great title. <laughs> yes. Well, who, who I'll tell that? you. My mother used to say that all the time. Oh. And, uh, when she was, my mother was saying all the time, "Don't mess with the property of God." That. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. And that's where Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 
Because the Lord said, I know the plans. Because God knows the plans for my life. Amen. Tell the listeners what's in that book. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, In this book, Don't Mess With Me, poetry in my book. There are um, articles, messages. I have, I think it's six points. Uh, I have six messages. Uh, It also contains uh, uh, articles that I have written. I have authority. That's uh, um, a declaration that I have destined to succeed, to encourage you. Um, So those are some of the things in that book. Uh, This book is not a big book. It's less than 100 pages, so that's what's in it. Thank you for asking. It's a prayer in the book. I have it right next to me. And uh, people to declare. I mean, sometimes the smaller books are the best kind because then you can, you can, you know, read them in a short period of time and get a blessing. Sometimes we, you know, we don't have time to read the 600 page books, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I know, right. You sent me this wonderful care package with your new book, Free From It, which was a track at one time, you said. Absolutely. I started this uh, years ago, I think it's 10 years now, maybe 15 years ago. And so I was listening to people on our nighttime radio ministries we have here in Michigan. And at the nighttime ministries, different people would call in for prayer. And it would be midnight prayer. And people would call and say, oh, I need you to pray that the Lord would set me free from this. The preacher would pray. And so regularly, my ears start being sensitive to people saying, I need to be free from this. Free from it. And as I heard that, how different testimonies and how different people would confess what's wrong at night. And then the next day they knew they didn't have any power over it. They called at night to ask, could you pray that tomorrow I won't do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the callers would describe what you got to ask the Lord to give you power over that. Mm-hmm. God's going to have to come in and change you. And then uh, the caller would say, but I don't know how to have power. I'm too weak. I'm just a human being. And then I would hear the minister say or the evangelist say, you can have power over that. You can have a changed life. You can have a, a, a new life. What is causing you that it in your life, you can be free. And then I would hear later on testimonies of people calling back saying, with a joyful spirit, they would say, oh, I've been free from it. Whatever's been bothering me has been causing me trouble. I'm free from it. I don't have it anymore. And the Mm -hmm. Lord just made me feel that free from it, free from it. And so that's how he gave to me this book and it's been ministering for oh about uh I did this book I think the first time in 2010 or 2000 but uh when I printed it the first time 10 people wanted 20 
that uh, one of my cousins, she came over the house and she saw the title free from it and she sat there and read it. She said, Wanda, I want 30 copies of this for the men in our family. And the Lord has used that book in that way. A lot of people, you slide it into somebody's briefcase or you slide it into somebody's lunch. Or yeah. uh, I, One lady, she put it in her husband's shoe. And when he went to put his <laughs> shoe on, <laughs> he felt it and he stopped and pulled it out and he sat and he read it. And she said that he come running downstairs with that little book in his hand and said, I'm free from it. I'm free from it. And she knew he was bound to something, but she didn't know what. But so the Lord has opened doors so many ways with mm -hmm. this book. And I thank him. And so I start having people asking me all the time, Wanda, could you please give me some of your books? And I was like, I don't have them. And uh, a lot of people told me, well, why don't you go back and print it? So after Ramel and my cousin and different ones, and so I revised it in some aspects, adding more scripture, adding a prayer, um, and the Lord blessed me to uh, do the book. And I, I want it small so it can sneak in little places, and uh, it's not a big book. Yeah, it's only 30 pages, it looks like. Yeah. And um, now this little package, is this what um, folks get when they order the book? You got a little bracelet here. It says, keep on keeping on. And mm -hmm. you've got some sweets here. Yes. Um, and then two keys. Yes. Two keys, keys to the kingdom. Amen. A, a card here. You are blessed yeah. with a Bible verse on it. So yeah. they, they get all this when they order your book there? Well, so my next book launch for free from it will be in the spring, and I will continue to give the keys to the kingdom and to <laughs> give the book and give away um, candy treats and give the bracelet to, um, it, and I said the book too, to give to people so that they will um, be a part of the launch. And so after spring, I will not continue to do the launch. So anybody now that's on my list, they will get the package. Wow. So how can the listeners connect with you and get if their you, resources? If you give me their uh, mailing address, I try to mail it to their P.O. box or home or place of business, and then they're on my list. Yep. Well, it's a real blessing to, to get that in the mail when you're not expecting it. So Praise the <laughs> it'll Lord. Make somebody's, it'll make somebody's day seeing that. We don't have video you, today, but I do have a photograph of what she sent me. Yeah, you have a Facebook page that people can connect with you too and absolutely i've got your Messenger. email yes let's see you have your email on here which is wt uh-huh vision at hotmail.com your website is thelampnewsletter.com 
Correct. So, yeah, it looks like you're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Yeah, so, they absolutely. will get the package up until I'm going to stop uh, in May. So in I'm going to start okay. up again. Yep, yes, yes. So you listeners need to get get in contact with Wanda and get your, your little package. This has been just awesome hearing your stories today and hearing um, how God has anointed you and doing God's work and just catching up on fun stuff. And uh, I'll have to get get harder working on my book and then um, I'll be coming on your show again when I get my book out. Wonderful. You can come on my show before you get the book done. You're a blessing, and I want to thank the Lord for your program, uh, your program. Well, thanks so much again for, for coming on tonight. I'm going to go and enjoy some of these chocolates that you put in this bag. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so all listeners, I enjoy being here tonight. I am blessed by this opportunity. And Sister Winkler, let me tell you this, and I'm going to say sister. I know your name is Diana, but I want to say sister because uh, in our troubled world today, mm-hmm. we don't want to say that's my sister, that's my brother, and that's our problem. And mm-hmm. we need to embrace each other as my sister, my brother. And yeah. uh, we need to do that and to uh, stand there. But I want to say that I am so grateful and thankful in my heart to share with your listeners. And I thank the Lord for you going off further. God has such a great anointing on your life. And the moment that uh, you became a part of our ministry, I could feel that sisterhood. And we have stood in times with the Lord and you blessed us on the radio program, blessed us in the newsletter, and now you have this new ministry, a podcast. And so I am thankful for it, and I hope to be uh, listening continuously. I want the Lord to bless you in every area. If you get the book on done, fine. If not, we're still going to fellowship, stand together, and you're listening. Well, I love you, Sister Wanda. And yeah. appreciate those kind words. Thank you for this time. I'll never forget it. Well, thank you. And uh, say hello to Sister Ramel for me. I will. She loves <laughs> you dearly. Thank you, my dear Sister Winkler. I love you because love God you. has brought us together. And God bless you, your husband, and the ministry that you have been given. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.